0: Chapter 2 of Serapion by Francis Stevens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Serapion, Chapter 2 Warning With me, the influence of a personality, however strong, ended where its line of direction crossed the course of my own wishes. Niels's opposition to my further acquaintance with the Moors had struck me as decidedly officious. Once outside the restaurant he turned on me almost savagely. "'Clay,' he said, "'you are not going up there tonight." "'No?' I asked coldly. "'And why not?' "'You don't know what you might be let in for. That is why not.' You have an odd way of talking about your friends." Oh, more knows what I think. All right, I grinned, not really wishing a quarrel if one could be avoided. But your friends are good enough for me, too, Nels. Who was the lady in the purple veil? His wife. A physical medium. God help her! Spirit-wrapping, clairvoyant and all that, eh? I supposed it was something of the sort. Well, if I wish to go out to their place and spend a dollar or so to watch some conjuring tricks, why do you object so strenuously? That's one thing I've never done." "'Spend a dollar or so?' snapped Burquist. "'Those people are not professionals, Clay. Mrs. Moore is one of the few genuine mediums in the country.' "'Oh, come, surely you're not a believer in table-tipping and messages from Marcus Aurelius and Shakespeare?' Burquist squinted at me disgustedly. Heaven help me to save this infant!" he muttered, taking no pains, however, that I shouldn't hear him. Clay, you go home and stay among your own people. Jimmy Moore is a moderately good fellow, but in one certain line he's as voracious as a wolf and unscrupulous as a Corsican bandit. He told you that he didn't extend these invitations to everyone. That is strictly true. The fact that he extended one to you is proof sufficient that you should not accept. He saw in you something he's continually on the watch for. He would use you and wreck you without a scruple. How? What do you mean? If I should tell you in what way, you would laugh and call it impossible. But let me say something you can understand. Except casually, Moore is not a pleasant man to know. He would like people to believe that he was dropped from the administrative board of the Association because his investigations and inferences were too daring for even the extraordinary open types of mind which compose it. The real reason was that he proved so violently, overbearingly quarrelsome that even they couldn't tolerate him. Recalling Moore's impregnable good-humour under Nil's own attacks, I began to wonder exactly what was the latter's object in all this. I'm not going there to quarrel with him," I said. No, you're going to be used by him. Look at that unfortunate little wife of his, if you want a horrible example. Do you mean he'd obscure my classic features with a purple veil? There'll be a fight to the finish first, believe me. Oh, that veil-vibration seaweed business, that's all rot. Just freak results of freak theorizing. Froth and bubbles. It's the dark brew underneath that's dangerous." "'Which is seen in Macbeth?' I chuckled. "'Fire burn and cauldron bubble. We now see Mr. Jimmy Moore in his famous personification of Beelzebub—costume, one palm beach suit, and a cheerful grin. Don't worry, Nils. I'll bolt through the window at the first whiff of brimstone.' "'My child,' said Burquist, very gently and slowly you have the joyous courage of ignorance. Alicia Moore is that rare freak, a real materializing medium, a producer of supernormal physical phenomena, as they are called. In other words, she is an open channel for forces which are neither understood nor recognized by the average civilized man. Jimmy Moore is that much more common freak, a fool who doesn't care whose fingers get burnt. The responsibility for having introduced you to those people is mine. As a personal favor, I now ask you to have nothing more to do with either of them." Nils, you're back in the Dark Ages, as more claimed. I never thought you'd fall for this spiritualistic bunk. Leave that. You are determined to keep the appointment? Come with me, if you think I need a chaperone. No, he said soberly. Why not? He wouldn't have me. Not when a seance is planned, and that is what he meant by an interesting evening. I'm persona non grata on such an occasion, because Alicia says her spirit guides don't like me, save the mark. If I tried to wedge in tonight, there would be another row, and heaven alone knows where the thing would end. I wish you'd stay away from there, Clay. Do you mean. I asked slowly, and beginning to see new light on Nil's attitude. That you have quarrelled with Moore in the past? My dear fellow, get this through your head if you can. It is impossible to know Moore very long and not quarrel with him, or be subjugated. You keep away." I was growing a little sick of Nil's persistence. Sorry. Fear I have not your faith in the bodiless powers of evil and I can't say more seemed such an appalling person. I'm going." Abruptly, without a word of answer or farewell, Burquist turned his back on me and swung off down the street. Several times I had seen him end a conversation in that manner and I knew why. By rights, he should have been the last man to criticize another man's temper. But I knew, too, that Nils's wrath was generally as evanescent as sudden. He would be friendly as ever next time we met and even, if he were not, I couldn't see why his anger or disapproval should afflict me greatly. Friends were too easily acquired for me to miss one. I forgot him promptly and began wondering how my desertion for the evening would be accepted by Roberta Whittingfield. End of chapter 2